0: Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we want to welcome those who are joining us online. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, I hope you all forgive me if my sermon's a little disjointed. I did have one less hour to prepare. And... Uh, are y'all just slow or it, I mean <laughs> you know last week it was a it was a pretty pretty um strong message uh about the last words that a person would hear, whether they're here whether they hear depart from me or welcome home and it's that's one of those messages that <coughs> can be really difficult to process and and so today as we continue our walk towards Easter I wanted to bring a message that just deals with the question how can I really know God loves me because the Bible makes it so clear and there's just so many examples I could give you it was difficult to narrow it down to a few because you really can know without a doubt that God absolutely loves you. Not tolerates you, but passionately loves you. You know, there are many of you, you know, we w- wish for things. Uh, it wasn't too long ago we were wishing that it would stop raining. And uh, some of you, you may wish, I, I wish my bills just could get paid, or I wish my taxes were already done. I, I wish I got a new job. I wish I could get married. I wish I could get out of the marriage. I, I mean, some of you just wish the pain would stop, whatever pain you're dealing with, whether it's physical or maybe emotional. But if you were to ask the Apostle Paul what his favorite wish was, he would say this, I want to know Christ. I mean, that's what he lived for. That's what he strived for. And, and why would someone say that? Well, because obviously he, he knew something. Um, I, I think what he understood is that most of our problems that we deal with in life come from not understanding how much God loves us. Now, if you understand how much God loves you, it doesn't mean your problem's going to go away, but it does mean you will change how you look at him. It will change how you deal with it, how you approach it. And you and I need to absolutely know that God really loves us. I want to use as our foundational verse, Ephesians chapter three, verse 17 through 19. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Man, we could just camp out right there for an hour. Christ, when you pray to receive Christ, when you ask him into your life, he doesn't come in and visit for a while and say, okay, I'll catch you next time. He moves in, he takes up residence. Your heart is now his home. That, I don't know about you, but that that gives me a deep sense of comfort. Will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, as I'm reading this, I'm beginning to realize when I focus on truth, then there's a consequence to that. So when I focus on the fact, the truth that Jesus makes his home in my heart, then the roots of my heart and my mind and my soul, my very being grows deep into his love and it makes me strong. You see, I, I'm choosing to live by f- facts, by truth, not feelings. When, when I base my relationship with Jesus on feelings, I, I get in all sorts of trouble. I mean, I feel like Jesus has done with me. I feel like like I've disappointed him one too many times. I feel like he's unpleasable. I feel, I mean, your feelings are so deceptive. So when I, when I choose to live by truth and facts instead of feelings, my feelings will catch up at some point. So I, I live by this truth. When I asked Jesus into my heart, he took up residence. It's his home. And so now all the roots of my life, all the parts of my being grow into that truth, grow deep into his love. And that is what keeps me strong. That's what keeps me strong. And then he says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, and, and here's, uh, so it, it takes some power, and, and the Holy Spirit is the source of that power. So I I have living in me, residing in me, a power source. That power source, just to make the connection, is what created the sun. What created the planets. What created the entire Known universe. What created even what we don't know is out there. That power source created life and it lives in me. You and you, and may you have the power, which I do now because it's been residing in me. In fact, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that power lives in you so here's what that power wants to do it wants to help me to understand and grasp and cling to and fully develop envelop in my life how wide how long how high and how deep His love really is. I mean, in any direction, His love encompasses every aspect of my life. There's no part of my life that's untouched. His love goes in every direction. And I, by His power, can I truly understand just how high, how long, how wide, how deep that love really is. You, you see, if I try to understand it by my feelings, then it's like this. I went to church today. God, God's probably really happy with me. Oh, man, I didn't have my quiet time today. God's probably very disappointed. You know, I was really nice to my spouse today. God's probably happy. I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said what I did to that person. I really lost my cool. God's probably really, really hates me right now. And see your emotions drive your understanding of God's love. And guess what? It's a lie. Satan loves it when you approach God based on your emotions. Because it's, let's face it, our emotions are kind of unstable, aren't they? They're driven by so many forces and so many things and circumstances. I want to live based on truth. Then Paul says, may you experience, not, not only know and understand the, the power to know and understand, but may you also experience the love of Christ. Hmm. I and mean, that takes it into a whole another level. I have the knowledge of it. I understand part of it, but I want to experience it. It's one thing to tell somebody you love them, it's a whole other thing to experience that love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You know that's I, I like that phrase because it it says to me there's always more of it to learn. I was talking to a friend not too long ago. I had I did his wedding about five years ago, and they had dated a long time, and and, and so we were just touching base, and and I, I just asked the question. I said I tell you, let me ask you a question. Um, you know y'all you've known your wife for a long time. You've been married now for five years. Um have you discovered something about her maybe you didn't know or or maybe something you did know but you didn't understand the depth of it and he said oh yeah and he started telling me what it was and and I said have you ever told her he said no I said well I'm about to give you a very romantic suggestion go for a walk on the beach, (laughs) go out to a nice dinner, and and then look at her in the eyes and just say, you know, something I've discovered. And then tell her, tell her that. And it'll melt her heart. I mean, God wants you to discover so much about his love. There's so much he wants you to know about how much he loves you. and, and, And there's so much more to learn. And then, it, then he says, then, when, when all this is happening, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, it's easy to read that verse and think that he's talking about when you die and go to heaven. Personally, I, I think maybe he's talking about here and now. He, he wants you to dive in so deep with him that you totally understand and don't question just how much he loves you. Wow. So what are some of the things in in the Bible that lets me know that God really does love me? I'm just going to give you a few. One, I know God loves me for one simple reason. He made me. I mean, Psalms 145, it says, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. I mean, circle that word, everything. There's nothing that he does that's unrighteous. He is filled with kindness. And so guess what's one of the everything God did? He made you. So God was righteous when he made you. And he was filled with kindness when he made you. God made you to love you. And guess what? God doesn't play favorites. Have you ever thought this? You know, I'm sure God loves Billy Graham a lot more than he loves me. I'm sure God loves, you know, the, the preacher on staff and the staff members who give their life to serving. I'm sure God loves them more than me. I want to tell you that that is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you completely. God has never made a person he didn't love. And he made you so that he could love you. Psalms 103 The Lord is like a father. To his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. Uh, He gets it. He knows it. He remembers we are only dust. It's like the little kid who heard the preacher say at church Sunday and said that, hey, we're made from dust. We came from dust and we'll go back to dust. And then a little boy went home and started yelling for his mom. And the mom ran into the room and he said, mom, look under the bed. Somebody's either coming or going. <laughs> you see, see, circle that word father. It, it doesn't say God is a judge, a policeman, a drill sergeant, a boss. Well, he is a judge, right? But but. This is not what he's talking about. He's the perfect father. He cares about us. And you know, the cool thing is he created us knowing how bad we were going to mess up. I mean, those of you who have kids, did any of you really think that your kid was going to be the perfect kid? I don't know what you were drinking if you thought that, but um, you know, you probably understood your kid's weren't going to be perfect and they were going to be messy and there were going to be challenges and when they were little, you were going to have to do everything for them. I mean, you understood that and you had them anyway. And you love them. God made you already knowing every single sin you were going to commit. Already knew it. And he still made you. That's He made you to love you. And for you to love him. God, the Bible says, is love. It does not say love is God. That's not the same. It says God is love. The Bible says that you were made to be loved by God. Second reason. I know that God loves me because he notices every detail of my life. There's not one aspect of my life he's not aware of and does not notice. Even the most mundane thing is Matthew 10, 30, and the very hairs on your head are numbered. Why would he care about that? It's because he's, he's showing you, I care about the details of your life. If I, if I care, if I take the time to know how many hairs you have on your head, if I take the time to, to know every little minuscule aspect of you, it shows you how much I love you. You know, as, as a parent, as a grandparent, I'm intensely interested in my kids and grandkids. <clears throat> I'm interested in the details of their lives. I mean, when Mary and I would talk to our kids, we want to know all the details about their kids. We want to know what they've done, where they've been. Did you have a good time? And uh, when something happens in their life, we FaceTime with them. We want to hear all about it. (coughs) We want to hear them talk about it. And and we're intensely interested in them because they're our kids and our grandkids. And, And God's even more so about that. Some of you are going through a tough time right now and whatever that tough time is, no matter what you're going through, God is acutely aware of it. Acutely aware of it. He cares about your financial problem. He cares about your physical problem. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your social problems, your problems at work, your problems in your marriage, your problems at school. He cares and he's aware for one simple reason, because he loves you. David, when he was talking to God in Psalms 139 said this, God, you know, when I sit down or stand up now, how insignificant is that? But God knows it. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Even when I'm away from you, God, you you know even my thoughts. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say. Oh, look at this. This is how well God knows you. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Like any married couple that's been married a long time. My wife finishes my sentences or I'll start saying something. She says, I know what you're going to say. And then she'll say it and everything in me wants to say, no, I was, yeah, I was. (laughs) Because she knows me so well. God knows you so well. He knows what you're going to say before you say it because he knows your thoughts. That's how much he loves you. He cares about the details. And guess what? He knows all those horrible thoughts that you have. And he loves you anyway. He still loves you. Number three, I know God loves me because he gave me the capacity for pleasure. I mean, he gave you eyes and then he filled the world with color. You know, I've been to some former Soviet Union countries and man, they were without color. They were gray and drab. But I wanna tell you, God has filled this world with color. And he did that for one simple reason, for our pleasure, to see the sunrises and the sunsets, to see the stars. Uh, God gave you a a pair of eyes and then created a a world full of different kinds of of sights. He gave you a pair of ears and then filled the world with different kinds of sounds, different kinds of music that are pleasing to the ear. He, He did that. God created taste buds and then he filled the world with cinnamon rolls and salsa and Krispy Kreme. 1 Timothy 6, 17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need And then those last three words, for our enjoyment. Have you ever paid attention to that that last word? God gives you everything that you need for your enjoyment. That's a God that loves you. That verse explodes one of the greatest myths about Christianity I've heard this so many times. If I give my life to Christ, then he's going to make me miserable. Huh. I, I won't be able to enjoy life anymore. It's going to be boring. There'll be no fun things to do. I, I mean, th- basically, the world has sold you a, a lie. Satan has told us a lie that to be good means to be miserable. To be bad means to have fun. To go to church is boring. To hang around Christian people is super boring. In fact, most people look for fun in all the wrong places. And that's why when they find it, it doesn't last very long. But I want to tell you, to live and enjoy what the Lord has for us, Man, that brings the deepest satisfaction and enjoyment that you can imagine. And and instead of cheap thrills and things that are plastic and artificial sweeteners that don't last, he he gives us a life that's full of enjoyment, pleasure. He gave us pleasure. And so when you become a Christ follower, Jesus basically changes your want to. Instead of, I want to do this, he moves you over here and says, no, this is what I've got for you. Far better. Number four, I know God loves me because he has good plans for my life and your life. Very familiar, Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In other words, he always has the best for your life. God knows what will make you happy because he made you. He's the creator. And he's given you an owner's manual. If you want to know how something works, go check the owner's manual. That's called God's word. The problem is is that we think what will make us happy is different From what God knows will make us happy. We think, but God knows. So I need to trust him. You know, even a thousand years ago, God knew that on March 14th, 2021, you'd be sitting right here. Long enough for you to hear me say to you, hey, you matter to God. If you hear nothing else today, God wants you to hear that. You matter to him. And he loves you unconditionally. Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, you, a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus said he wanted you to have a rich, satisfying life. Does that sound like no fun? Does that sound like a miserable time? Sounds just the opposite to me. Jesus did not come to give you a a religion He came to give you a personal relationship with a holy God that absolutely adores you. You're not living until you know God's plan for your life. Otherwise, you're just existing. Number five, I know God loves me because he sent Christ to die for me. That's the ultimate proof, right? It doesn't get any better than that. And that's what Easter is all about. Romans 5:8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How about that? Knowing all your evilness, knowing every evil thought you've ever had, knowing your, your mess-up and your foul-ups, and God still sent Jesus because he loves you. One last one. I know God loves me because he forgives me. He forgives me when I ask him. Every single time. There's not a time you can go to God and ask him to forgive you and and then you'll hear him say, oh, not this time, buddy, you blew it. One too many times, strike three, you're out. You'll never hear that. Never. Romans 3 For everyone has sinned. We're all in that boat together. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. We'll we'll never meet that. Yet God, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Who made us right? Did you make yourself right? No, no, he did. He makes us right in his sight. And how did he do that? He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Uh, None of you have the ability or knowledge or the experience or the power to free yourself from sin. Only Jesus can do that, and he did it. I'm convinced that one of the main reasons people keep a distance from God Is because of guilt. They just they just feel guilty. And so they keep their distance, assuming that God has nothing to do with them. Uh, You remember in school and you would check everybody out, and you'd see some people and say, ah, you know, they probably wouldn't like me. I probably wouldn't fit in that group. I'm gonna keep my distance. And then over time, you probably started judging them and thinking they were too good. Uh, I remember doing that, and I would judge a person. I would think, uh, you know, I wouldn't fit into their group. And then by chance, one day, I happened to be sitting near that person, and we started talking, and guess what? I found out they were just like me. And they thought I wouldn't want to have anything to do with them. And I thought, what a waste of time that I missed out on a great friendship because I decided they wouldn't like me. And some of you keep your distance from God because you've decided you're not good enough. And he's done with you. He's tired of you. He made a mistake when he made you. And you think that God is just doesn't want to have anything to do with you, and Satan loves it he's he gets excited when you think that way, but when you actually sit down with God and start to talk to him, you found out he he's been by your side the whole time just waiting for you to talk to him and you find out he passionately loves you and all those issues and problems you've been going through by yourself you you realize he was there ready to get you through it all you had to do was ask so what's keeping you from a close relationship with God is it some past issue that you're convinced there's no forgiveness for you that's a lie Just quit believing it. You think God's done with you? That's a lie also. Just don't believe it. Don't trust your feelings. Face truth. And God loves you unconditionally. Absolutely adores you. And if he had to do it all over again, he would have still made you. Now you have to choose to accept the truth and set your feelings aside. Let's pray.